Welcome to Planning Face Syndicate Universe Extended Review of Andor, which is what we're covering right now. Tonight, episode 18, is our last coverage for Andor that you're going to see until season two comes out. We are going to be covering episode 12 tonight in all of its glory, plus its hidden agenda that happens at the end of the credit scene. Um, we don't, I don't know. Maybe next week we'll, we'll do another like recap of the whole series. I don't know if we're, if we're going to do that or not. It seems kind of silly to keep going through it. Um, we haven't done tales of the Jedi. So that is up on the radar next in our discussion. Um, so we will be doing tales of the Jedi, which we have to get through tales of the Jedi before we can get to, um, bad batch, which is coming out next year. If you didn't watch the season finale of Andor, or if you haven't watched any of Andor, Please, 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 if you don't want spoilers, run away, tune out. You don't want to come in because I'm telling you, we're going to lay it all on the line tonight. Joining me on mic is my co-host, JJ, the Catan Master himself. What's going How on? are you doing tonight, sir? Excited, man. This was a good finale. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, very, very excited wanting to and here i'm gonna tell real quick i did not watch this until friday night and i want to tell you it's because like it's because i was busy which i was in fairness and my son's not into andor because he doesn't really care about star wars so he really hasn't been watching it with me um which is fine i think some of it was i just didn't want this to end I knew this was the last episode. I knew what would happen. I knew because of the holiday, I could easily avoid spoilers. And I just didn't, I just didn't want this to end. Yeah. For me, I, I couldn't wait to watch it. I, I had to wait, unfortunately, until like Wednesday night. till I actually had time to watch it, but I was just like on the edge of my seat, just waiting for the, for the time to watch the episode. So we're going to get into the after scene credit first, I think just because see because it's off the wall, get it out of the way. Sure. The after credit scene, so if you, you have to watch it, but the after credit scene officially explains what the hell Andor was making. So now we know that Andor was working on something that belonged to the Death Star. JJ, yeah, they, what was it? They look like sprockets, essentially, uh, that help meld panels for the laser uh, that the Death Star uses to eventually blow up Alderaan in episode four. So, yes. Yeah, so we officially find out what it was. Um, I don't remember what I originally said it was for JJ. I think you thought it was for probe droids or something like that. Yeah. I thought it was for a droid actually for like, uh, for like those hunter drones that they had, um, or at least building more of the K2 drones that will eventually take over Mandalore or something like that. Yeah. So now think about it this way though, to JJ, right? Like us seeing this and this kind of gives context and we can get back, backtrack a little bit to the prison scenes right when they're making these and and when they find out hey you're not getting out of here and it all makes a little bit more sense because they're all working on the death star and right if we think about it between when pelp created you know like essentially had a coup and when the death star is first seen in production is a very short time frame for it then it gets blown up and we get death star 2 <laughs> And if you yeah. think about it, on top of that, that's a very short time frame. 
between yeah, and, even shorter. And you got to figure, right? Because I, I've actually been um, watching Rebels with um, with my sister-in-law. That's that's just getting into like watching all these for the first time. Um, there's a scene when they're making reference and spoilers for Rebels if you have not seen it. Um, there is a scene where Hera's talking about Ezra's parents, and they're talking about the level that the Empire has these labor camps. They have over a thousand star systems with labor camps um, that uh, that they send people to to work on different stuff. And you imagine that if, if the Death Star is such a high priority um, project for the Empire, to that they dedicate so many resources, and we see this across different uh, different stories throughout that time, you know, through like the Throne series or through the Rebel series, and now Andor, that we see how they were uh, basically uh, doing these quotas for these uh, production uh, labor uh, labor production for them to build the parts that will eventually go into the Death Star. You can see that the Empire's really aggressively um, using these people for these labor camps to make that project go forward. Yes. And and it, and it brings to light the more Nazi-esque um, thing that the Empire was. And like, it's funny because <clears throat> I believe, in my opinion, Andor feels like it's bringing life to some of these books that I've been reading, right? And and some of the books where you feel it gets really intense and people are like, oh, I have not read that book. And like, I don't know that. But it's like, this is like this should spawn you to go out and read the books. So the last book I just read, um, well, two books ago that I just read was the Leia book about right at what happens after you know essentially the rebels win, and you know before the resistance starts up and and everything like that, right? And like it goes into Leia has somebody in the Senate that she doesn't like, and essentially this guy collects memorabilia from the empire right and it's just disgusting like to her it is like the most disgusting thing that can happen and or helps bring light to why leia would feel that way right like because all of a sudden you're like yeah like they took billions of people and enslaved them on mass scales for the sole purpose of maintaining their empire all it was is the empire knew we had to be ahead of the game because at some point, somebody's going to come try to kill us and take us down. We have to be better than them, which is hilarious. Because if you think about it, in all of its glory, the Empire violates the rule of two that Darth Bane set up to some extent, right? Because Darth Bane is like, there's just two of us. It's just two of us against the world. We're here to bring balance back to society. And here's Pelp saying, well, maybe I'll have two or three Sith Lords around and uh, I don't like this one, so I'm going to use this one. And oh, by the way, I need a full-scale military army <laughs> and, and and base to kill things because my Sith abilities are not good enough. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and I love how Pup gets around the... the um... The role of tool by making the inquisitors who are not essentially Sith, they're just acolytes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's mall. That's like what I need is a mall mall story now. That's what I want. Is a mall story. Somebody give me a mall story. And give me one where mall has legs. Um, because or not legs, but the robot legs from uh Clone Wars, because yeah. it'll piss my son off. And I'll make my son watch it with me. <laughs> he doesn't under he doesn't like mall with clone legs. I even bought a little Lego figure of Maul with the little robot legs 
just just to piss him off. It sits on my counter upstairs. Like, hey, see that? Remember that mall? He's like, all right. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about the opening of the episode, JJ. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna let you go first. You go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, um, so we get the uh, the starting uh, the start for the episode here. Uh, we start with the uh, the, the planning in uh, Ferrix for the funeral for Marvel and how it's going to progress. Uh, you could feel the tensions building. Um, some of the locals uh, that were Andor's friends get word that Andor's on his way over there, and they're trying to they, that they try to warn him not to come because the Empire is going to be there in force and expecting all this, and they're setting up the preparation for Marva's funeral, uh, we get a very, very um, touching scene from B2 EMO. Um, just, uh, just get caught. Like, it breaks my heart every time I see that droid, just showing all this emotion over the passing of, uh, of Marva and stuff, and uh, and them trying to, like, take care of, uh, of the final things that she had there. Um, and then we have Andor on his way there, and where it gets out all the way out to Luthien um, and his comrades that uh, that this event is happening over in Ferex, and now they're on their way to try to intercept Andor as well. Um, so the stage is set early on in the episode for everything to happen at Ferex, and then we're going to fast forward over to the funeral procession for Marva. Uh, in which the uh, the Empire uh, already has everybody in riot gear just waiting to see what's going to happen. And then B2 EMO uh, is brought to the center uh, when they are uh, like basically performing the ritual for Marva there. And uh, Marva provi- uh, prepared a special uh, final words uh, for the crowd uh, there. And that's where they did such a great job of just prepping this moment for that buildup. I can't tell you, like I was at the edge of my seat once I saw her come up. Cause I'm like, this is not going to go well for the empire right now. <laughs> Cause she is very anti empire and they, the empire allows this message to be broadcast in the center of the city, essentially with everybody around to see it. And she basically goes on to the history of what they had to go through and where the people have come from, pretty much riling up the the um, anti-Empire anti sentiment that the people of Ferex um, should have. And um, and you start to see, like, all this movement, like, it, it's a powder keg about to explode. Um, and then uh, until it finally does. Marva says it, we got to fight the Empire and all hell breaks loose. Uh, wh- what was your thoughts in that moment once the, once that happened, that build-up part? So what I feel is a couple of things. One, how the hell the Empire bothered to let that speech go on that long? And, exactly. And maybe, <laughs> and maybe it's it's like some of this, some of this I think is because we're seeing the Empire before it's well-refined, right? We, we're seeing mistakes, and we're going to get to some of those mistakes in a minute because I think the one, one of the parts you missed, and we're, we'll come back to Mon Marthmar in, in a few minutes, um, yeah. And talk about her her arc in a little bit, yeah. but the the piece that I think you miss is is you have that ISB officer. She's leading a team on the ground, and she's exactly. there. And because she's here, she's saying nobody kills Cassian, which is exactly opposite of what the commander in charge and I don't remember his name, but whatever the commander in charge wants, he wants Cassian dead. He does not want a big outbreak. He's been around long enough to know. 
this shit ain't going to go good. Period. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Um, so when her speech starts rolling and I'm sitting here like the same as you, I'm on the edge of your seat. It's like, all right. Like I had a feeling when she started speaking that this, like, she's going to say something pretty blasphemous and they start out so calm. And then finally she's just like, no, now's the time we cannot be quiet. Now is the time. And all of a sudden she ends it and they throw the thing over it and it doesn't get all the way over, which I think is kind of silly, but because the blanket doesn't get all the way over, you can see half her face and then all hell breaks loose. Two things go into my mind. One, this had to have been somewhat planned by some of those people knew this was going to happen and they are going to be dead if they do not, you know, whoever's left will be dead from if they find out They're they're gone. Two, I would not be surprised if they slaughtered that whole planet after this just all of them are gone yeah wipe out that entire place yeah like this I, never I happened um which i hope doesn't happen but that's my feel that's my gut feel is gonna happen the third thing i thought was holy shit all these people like that's like this is revolution right all these people are sitting here some of them knowing this is gonna happen some of them not going being inspired and, and i'm gonna relate this to a bernie rally so when i went to see bernie the very first time and this was before Trump and the discussions and the, the things the ask that Bernie was able to bring in. People think Bernie is kind of a boring person. But when he got up there and started talking and delivered his speech, it was very much like Marvo did. It was, do you really want these things? Do we want to turn into this? And, I, and maybe after Andorra's popularity, maybe all candidates like should just be like, do you want to become the empire? Do we, do we really want, do we want this atrocity to ever happen again? Like maybe you shouldn't look at that. And I'm not saying all like candidates that are against me think like that are going to create like a big evil empire, but that speech just brings everything home. And maybe it's just because of the last, you know, like we had a hard four years in my opinion, dealing with a lot of things. And this speech just kind of comes back to me and says, there is a way to inspire people. There is a way to motivate people and people when you push them hard enough are willing to get up and fight back. And to me, when we talk about star Wars, the rebellion in the seventies, when a new hope, what did a new hope miss a large scale speech or speeches that went off that started the rebellion. This gives us context and it makes episode four so much more exciting to go back and watch now because now we know where their desire they didn't they weren't just fighting it because they wanted to they were fighting it because this is life or death they were fighting it because this is what's wrong yeah and you can see like the they did a great job the cinematography of just showing like all the what we would consider like the extras like showing like their and them getting riled up and taking anything that was available to them to make it into a weapon and just start going into the empire. I mean, you had all these these troopers with guns and blasters uh, just basically mowing down anybody that they could in the crowd. And then, you know, they just basically went out on a full attack. And then the best part 
is that they had the um, the bell tower guy basically slamming down on the top from the tower, um, acting like the old revolutionary drummers that you know to to help keep the morale of the troops to keep on drumming, um, and keep that momentum up there. And they send the one stormtrooper to <laughs> go try to take this guy out, and he basically does a three hundred Spartan kick uh, and say, "This is Ferrix," and he kicks him off the friggin' bell tower. And he falls uh, the storm trooper falls to his death that was such a great scene um but just seeing that that part right like just that that fervor the people coming up to a boil and then they just explode um into it it was so like it was such a great scene to see that um see that happen i i really honestly did expect for the empire to try to like destroy it either using ordinance or using like uh like one of the vehicles that they had there to take out the bell tower to try to to like take out that piece there um but uh, honestly like after a few like seconds of like the fighting assault it, it very much looked like the empire just could not handle this mob that had formed and they were getting overrun quick and we have the isb agent uh get the get almost get killed when she's uh, rescued by Cyril and brought into the room. And probably, again, one of the funniest moments for me uh, is just her reaction of like, where the hell did you come from? <laughs> like, what are you doing here? And he's like trying to have a romantic moment with her. Um, and it, it was just the funniest interaction to see in Cyril. Like, I, I totally, like, don't know where the arc is going with Cyril. Like, it, it's just funny, like, to see how he's, um, how he's progressed from the beginning of the series all the way to the end. Um, and, uh, and I, I'm kind of wondering, like, where they're going to lead his character later on going forward. You know what I think was a missed opportunity? So, so let's, let's rewind a little bit. And then talk about the missed opportunity. So we rewind. Oh, you see him in the crowd, Cyril in the crowd with his old commander, who's the one that tipped him off about this. Yep. And Cyril takes off. Cyril is directly disobeying every order, yep. period. And I don't know if I want to agree that this is 100% love, right? Like, I feel this is um, a very selfish thing he's doing. And yes, maybe he wants to be romantically involved with her as well. But I feel the drive to redeem himself in his own eyes and the way he wants to by getting Cassian. I feel he's not there for her as much that just happened to work out in his benefit. He's there to get Cassian if he can, because if he would have saw Cassian, which he almost did. If you go back and rewind it, he almost, he's one of the people looking up where Cassian was scaling some of the things. And we'll get back to Cassian in a minute, but after all the chaos starts and basically she has no idea what's going on. She's obviously never been in combat before. <laughs> like You can tell yeah. she's never yeah. been in combat. Office, office pusher to come out to the front lines and try to like command people. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to work out. And she totally misstepped this whole thing. And this, th this is going to be bad for her. Like I, I, I believe this is going to be bad. What's going to be worse. And this is, this is where I feel this is a missed opportunity is when Cyril pulls her into the closet, right? And like has the moment where he's like gazing into her eyes and is like, hey, I, I'm saving you. She, and I'm sitting here, I swear she had something in her hand. I, I've sat here and yelled at my TV for her to kill him. All I wanted is for her to stab him in the gut as hard as she can and him not realize it. And then all of a sudden he looks down and he's like, did you, did you just kill me? 
and it'll serve two purposes. One, it gets rid of him because he's annoying. I hate him. I think he's <laughs> an, he's an annoying character. Um, he serves this purpose. I get it, but he's an annoying character. But two, it solves some of that arc of what's going to happen because like now he has to keep his mouth shut, which he probably will. But like to some extent, he has to be very careful because she was saved by an underranking officer who is not supposed to be here, who she openly told not to be here, who can't keep his mouth shut to save his life. Mm -hmm. So now he's going to come in. Some of me thinks they're going to off her that the emperor is just going to be like, see you. Bye bye. Boom. Gone. And she's going to be gone. And then he's going to take over her role. And then he's going to have to deal with that. But to me, it was a missed opportunity. You just take care of him. Like if I would like to me, it would defer her. And maybe this is why not all the ISP people are completely evil. But we've seen a horrible arc with her basically torturing, you know, Bix, right? Like, like we see yeah. her instructing them and then and, and talking about these tortures. And then she comes back to capture Cassie. And at all costs, she could have just taken him out. And that would have completely fit her character. But instead, she's going to let him live now. And I don't think it's going to be good for yeah. her. Yeah, I, I think it leads her demise. Ultimately, I don't see her returning to ISB headquarters with uh, with much of a reception after uh, the events of uh, of Ferrix get out. Now, the uh, the <clears throat> one thing we do see is finally after uh, while all this is going on, Andrew is able to uh, track and locate Bix and get her out of the uh, the cell or the room that they had her in, and uh, finally get her out uh, over to the um to their friend's shipyard where they were waiting for a ship there and we see a, a, a ship that we haven't seen before it looked like a transport but if you notice in the background it looked like a ship graveyard or scrapyard for a lot of clone warships because we see y-wings there uh, we see some transports in there and they had basically the transport that they had made looked like a hodgepodge of different uh ships that they had basically scavenged into this one transport as they make their escape um did you notice anything like odd or like familiar about that ship well it looks like a very big version of like the front of a droid ship that's that's what it reminded yeah. me of is yeah. like, like a, a droid ship, ship. Yeah. like a yeah. separatist ship i'm sure that's not what that is like i'm sure that's 100 percent not what that is um but that's the first thing i thought of. i was like oh somebody put y-wing um thrusters on a, a droid yeah. ship like a, in a cargo bay um it yeah. reminded me of a fire spray though that was the other thing like it reminded me of like half a fire spray yeah yeah and then finally um uh cassian uh after avoiding pretty much the empire and luthien's forces finally goes out uh to uh encounter luthien on his ship now here's the part that that gets me right like obviously luthien is there to you know take care of andor right obviously Andor knows your ship, you know, I, and I, I don't know how Andor exactly found Luthien's ship, but somehow he finds the ship and then just goes inside of the ship with nothing to stop it. Like, apparently he just had the door open to his Fondor Hallcraft, and Andor's like, well, I'm just going to wait here until Luthien decides to step inside. Like, I, I how? <laughs> how did that happen? Like, I don't think he locks his ship. That's my theory. Is like he's paranoid. Like, come on. Or the you're right. That is kind of a plot hole because it could also be, it could also be that Cassian was on it before. Therefore, the droid recognizes it and he gets on there, right? That there is a possibility. 
that that happened. Um, it is weird. I guess I didn't think about it that he got on there ahead of time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it makes sense, you know, and I think, but if you think about it, Luthen was in a big hurry too, right? Like it was, he was rushing to get there because yeah. essentially he did not want um, his agent on the ground, his agents on the ground to be by themselves. He felt this situation required his attention because I think it got to the point where it's, he's going to be discovered very shortly here and he knows it. And he wants to stall that as much as possible to be make a proper escape plan that he can go into hiding with. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, that last part, um, I thought I, I personally thought it was great, right? Because we, we finally get that confrontation between Endor and Luthien at the end there. And Endor basically gives Luthien an ultimatum. He's like, you know, I'm here. You know, this is it. Um, you can kill me right now or you can take me in. And you see that moment of hesitation, right? Because Cassian basically has the blaster out there for Luthien and Luthien uh, picks it up and he's considering it. And then he smiles and he's like, yep, I'm going to go ahead and take you in. I think you're good enough to finally be joining in the inner circle here. And he brings him in as one of his agents. And that's that's how we end up closing the season there. Um, I, I like that interaction mainly because it kind of fits for, for both of the characters, right? You know, Luthien is a very calculated person, you know, a person who considers like all the different options. I mean, heck, the guy wrote a formula for how everything was going to turn out, you know, 12 years ago. He's basically acting on that one formula. And she's now considering this um, this new variable, uh, which is Andor, into his calculations and figures, hey, you know what? The math adds up. He's valuable enough that I can use this person as my agent. See, and I think I feel differently about the ending. Completely different, actually. I do not like it. I don't like it at all. I think the I think we had such beautiful storytelling. I feel there was some missed opportunities here at the very end. Um so I will say that is one piece of this whole series. And I, I how about this? I don't hate it. I don't think it's wrong. I just don't think it's as good as it could be, right? Because um, I think that's the, the biggest thing that I had with it, right, is is why not, you know, like, why why does he have to say the, the words, like, the way he did? Because it kind of made it sound like just to kill him, right? Like, that he's had enough of his life and would just rather be done with it. And I don't think that's... Um, what it should be. But he could have just kind of said, he could have kind of given, you know, and, and there was an article um, that I read that kind of taught, taught, it didn't touch on that piece of it, but kind of talked a little bit about it because Cassian essentially is here saying, Hey, I'm not um, a part of this rebellion. I have no reason to join. Right. Which is very relatable to the majority of society. A lot of people don't want to throw down. Like if right now, we all of a sudden had big authoritarian change. How many of us are going to give up our cush lives to immediately go in to fight the rebellion? You know, not a lot of people do that. So to me, he could have, he could have essentially came out and kind of said, Hey, my, they, they killed my mom. They tried to kill me. I have skills. I'm here. You know, you don't have to pay me. I'm just, I'm, I'm here for the cause now. He could have kept it very simple short and sweet and, and kind of said it, but to me, I don't know. I, 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 
I, I, I was hoping for a little bit more of a dialogue, even maybe from Luthen giving away saying, Hey, um, you're the type of person we need here. Like we know he doesn't kill him. Like that, that's why, maybe that's why that pisses me off is we know he does not die. <laughs> like we see him in rogue run. So we know he's a big, important piece. And you, I just feel that they could have expounded a little bit more into that. Cause Cassian knows he's not going to turn them in. He's not dumb. Like, no, like that just piece of it's like, just, you didn't even have to say that. Like this guy's not going to turn you in because it's going to put him on the radar. How did you get Cassian? How do you know Cassian? That's stupid, right? Like never. And so instead of you could, you could turn me in. It should just really have been, you know, like I want to join the forces and the, I'm, I'm here for whatever you need. I'm willing to put my life down or something like that, you know? I don't know. I just think that um, that for Cassian's personality and how he's carried himself, he doesn't strike as the type that like would go for like long speeches like that. Um, I, I think he's just more of a show me type of person. Like he'll he speaks more with his actions and his words. And at that point, he he's had conversations already with Luthien um, when he first recruits him that he. He, he knows that his actions will probably get to Luthien faster than him giving some sort of speech, right? You know, when you compare the speech that Luthien had with the other ISB agent from, you know, two episodes ago, um, when that guy is basically begging to leave the, 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 his role, basically, in the rebellion as being the, the undercover spy in the ISB, um, you know, because of his family, you know, Luthien basically just dismisses him after having this whole conversation with him and, you know, talking about sacrifice and what he's had to put through to to try to make sure that, that this rebellion goes on. Um, and but, but, I but, think that Cassian's action got to Luthien faster this way because it's about resolve. You're I'm, I'm either I'm all in. And, you know, you're either going to take me because I'm going all in into this with everything that I have, or you're just going to kill me because I'm not worth anything to you. Like, I think yeah. that's how it's perceived. I mean, sure. But, but okay. But Cassian says in episode 10, I'd rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. Now you probably shouldn't reuse a line, but you could literally, he could literally have said that to Luthien. And, and then how does Luthen know any of what he's done, right? Like Luthen doesn't know that half of this was caused by him. He doesn't know he went in and saved Bix. He doesn't know any of that. He doesn't know he broke him out of the prison. He knows none of these things we all know. So how does he determine he's a good agent, right? Like, wouldn't it be better for Cassian to be like, yeah, I orchestrated this. You know, hey, by the way, you want to know where I've been for the last six months? I've been in a cell, fucker. <laughs> Why didn't you come get me? Um... I, I don't, and maybe they're saving it for season two, I guess, but maybe. to me, yeah. and, and it was a pretty long episode for what they'd been doing, but to me, they could have, Cassian could have came in and, and just delivered a mini thing saying, you know, I've been here, I've been down the road, I'm ready to take them down, then to be oppressed by them, or something crazy stupid like that. Um, okay. So, um, moving on to Mon Mothma, um, that part of the storyline, 
Um, so she, it looks like she goes through the whole uh, ceremony with her daughter uh, being introduced to the son of that, uh, the banker that um, that's going to essentially help her uh, funnel money, uh, finally giving in into what she did not want to do. Um, man, the desperation on Mothma and actually her face, that entire se sequence when she's walking down with her, her daughter and her, um, her husband, who we find out is, is probably gone back onto gambling and occurring deaths on the side as well. Um, like putting her uh, in a tight loop. I mean, it's, she's in a really tough spot, man. Yeah. I think that scene was good. I, I agree with you. We, the, but I think the stuff we saw in her face was more of, I know this is the only way to keep my daughter safe. Yeah. Yeah. De st damn it. Stop it, Deslin. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think she's framing her husband. <laughs> I 100% do not think that he's gambling again or gambling to the point where it's going to put her at harm's way. Because, and, and I feel like this is lazy storytelling on their behalf, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but they well, have that I conversation. Mean, yeah, I was gonna say that that's actually a valid point because we know that the driver was listening in, even though she said to yeah. have a, like make it a private conversation, and she he was listening in. So, yeah, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, I really think that that's what it is, and that's why I feel it was a little bit of lazy writing because this is the easy way out. Like we know, Mon Mothma's family is not around, and I don't think Disney wants to kill off a kid. So they're gonna marry the kid off. <laughs> they're gonna marry a kid. They're gonna marry the kid off, right? And then the kid will be gone. the The husband can easily begin investigating, right? And she, to me, it feels like she what she's setting in motion is how do I drain the accounts, secure the credit somewhere else, and remove myself from this whole political nightmare? Because think about it. She owes favors to this banker now. She's going to owe favors to this guy. She knows it. She knows her time is coming where she's going to have to do things she doesn't want to do. She had a whole conversation with Luthen. There's a discussion about moving back. You know, how, how, how does the rebellion, you know, are we moving too fast? And I think what will happen is we're going to see a complete lockdown or a starting of the lockdowns in, you know, because Ferrix is going to create, you know, the empire to be or emperor to become paranoid, right? And he's going to become paranoid and want to start locking things down and which makes the empire, the repressive thing. And I think getting rid of her husband allows for the scandal to happen. She knows it. She can then just disappear and jump into the rebellion. And now she's going to become part of the rebellion. She disappears. She's no longer here. And she doesn't, cause she doesn't like her husband. anyway. Yep. So, so this just works out perfect. Her daughter can be taken care of in the best way possible, not be murdered. She's going to be able to take all of her money, avoid owing a debt to a banker and slip into the, the, the rebel background scene. Nice. Yeah. I, I actually think that's, that's a logical uh, uh, thought. I actually haven't thought about that process there, but Ben, uh, I think that that's definitely going to be probably the major plot point for season two going forward. Yeah. Um, now, the last thing I have for this piece of it is, and the reason I feel Cass can't, Andor has made a change to how we see Star Wars is Mandalorian kind of started it. There's not really a good versus evil, right? You know, the, the Mando keeps going on to some extent, you know, um, 
it, it still goes on, you know, a little bit, you know, of being more good than evil, right? You know, and we kind of seen a little bit with Boba Fett. Andor comes out, and there are some very bad choices. We 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 have, we got official clarification. Krieger's dead. Done. Gone. They sacrificed him. It is a hundred percent official. Saw and Luthen sacrifice Krieger for the greater good. Um, which is not something you usually saw in Star Wars, right? That was not something that people we were not used to seeing some of these real, actual, real situational things. What I feel Andor has done is moved us from the good versus evil battle, um, which we started to see them kind of move away from to far left where it is a oppressive regime. And what do we have to do to stop it? And we're going to see more extremism. I'm sad. I don't get more saw. I'm hoping next season we get a lot more saw. Um, that's yeah. what I really, really, really wanted. Saw is probably hands down one of my favorite characters in the Star Wars universe. Um, I don't like him in X-Wing that much because everybody gives me crits. But um, <laughs> I like, I really like him um, in there. And I, re- I really hope we get some some more saw. But I feel and or, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel we've we've seen a transition away where if we get more Jedi type stuff, it, not everything has to be good versus evil. We can actually have Jedi's being more human in their decision making than we had before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just going forward, I mean, they they definitely set the the, the groundwork for for season two to be a very very good season. Um, I definitely do, just like you, hope to see some more Saw, um, Saw interactions. And then specifically, I want to see Saw eventually uh, get in contact with Mon Mothma and uh, have that, that uneasy alliance and see that tension between the two. Because we do know, we do know um, at least in Rebels, that that particular interaction between the two does eventually come to a very heated end. Um, towards the uh, towards the timeline of rebels, and I, I want to see um, just just Saul be more involved there, especially with Luthien um, being his his at this point probably his only friend that understands him, and um, and see how that goes. Yeah, and if you think about it, all of this boils down to what Luthien said in episode eight, right? He says we need the Empire to help, we need them to get angry. We need them coming down hard. Oppression breeds rebellion. That right there is saying that Luthen has helped orchestrate some of the atrocities that the Empire is going to come up with (laughs) to some extent. And how do we get away from them? And I don't know if you've watched um, Handmaiden's Tale at all. Yeah. But there is a guy in the Handmaiden's Tale that is one of the chief proprietors that helped create the whole the whole living structure the whole society and in the long run he is that off-putting rebel like he's there saying what do you want me to do i have to live in the confines but behind the scenes he helps move things forward as best he can to dismantle what he thought was going to be a great thing yep he is the galen urso (laughs) yes actually Um, that's the other thing I want to see. I actually want to see Galen Erso make an appearance. That would be fun. I would like to see a little bit more backstory on Luthen as well. I would like to know if like he had other dealings or other things, sins of his past he needs to account for, or if he's just really that passionate. 
you know. Yeah, I would also like to see Wolf of Yularen, uh, 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 Admiral Yularen from ISB make an appearance for the first time in live action um, to help set up uh, Throne coming forward. Yeah, that would be fun too. Give us a Throne show in two years. Or hang on, what if this incident, Ferex, actually causes the head of the ISB to be demoted to make way for Admiral Yularen to take over the ISB? All right, I could see that. That 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 you know, I could see that that could be something. Yeah, who what character what actor would play that though? I don't think that guy's alive anymore, is he? He's not, but I'm I mean there are plenty of great actors that can play Admiral Yularen. I'm sure, but who would it be? All right, well that, that's a discussion for next time. I don't want to spend any <laughs> we we could spend the next half hour discussing that. Um yeah. All right. Well, overall, I give the series an eleven out of ten. Um, uh, again, even though I was that super thrilled with the last, basically the last scene of the, um, episode, I am very excited to see where it goes. Um, and I think the monologue or whatever they call it, where they have the pictures and they have the, the, the voiceover for it, they have one of them where it essentially says tyranny requires constant effort. It breaks, it leaks, authority is brittle. Oppression is a mask of fear. Even the smallest act of insurrection pushes our lines forward. And then remember this, the imperial need for control is so desperate because it is so unnatural. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for joining us. We will be back with another Universe Extended next week after our podcast. Um, next week, we will be talking about probably Tales of the Jedi unless we want to go back into Andor and do like a recap of the whole series. Um, I don't know which way we'll go. I think it kind of depends on how much Andor talk comes out between now and then it might be overkill for us to go back to Andor, but we will be breaking the tales of the Jedi up at least into three segments, um, possibly four, but at least three segments to go through those seven episodes. That being said, if you listen to only the, Universe Extended spoiler cast that we have. Um, join us on our regular X-Wing podcast, 9 p.m. Eastern time over on Planning Face Syndicate right here on Twitch every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Thank you all. Have a good night, and we will see you next week. See ya.